Today, we are going to take a look at some projections for the 2023 Detroit Tigers. We're at that time in the offseason where the offseason is starting to become a, a, a thing of the past, and people are starting to look at the 2023 season. So projections, predictions are rolling out, and Dan Zimborski's Zips projections for fan graphs has released for the Tigers. We're going to break those down all today on Locked on Tigers. You are locked on Tigers. Your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Benley. Today is Wednesday, January 18th, 2000. And 23, thank you for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Okay, so I know like a week, week and a half ago, I said that I didn't like projections. I still don't. This is not any change of heart that I've had over the last two weeks. Uh, I, I still don't like them as a whole. Dan Zimborski, though, is a great baseball mind, works over at Fangraphs, great writer, great insight, great analysis. I love his work. You definitely read the article that came along with these projections as well. And Dan has uh, zips is like his thing over at fan graphs. And he really is self-admitting with like some of the flaws within the projections and within the model uh, while writing like the articles that come along with all the data. So that's super cool. And, and I, I just enjoy his insight. And I think that this is, you can check out the article at fan graphs. Um, in the blog section. So be sure to go read it. Uh, we're not going to cover everyone because when well, I'm just going to talk about the numbers that like really jump off the page for me today. And when catchers and pitchers, I don't know why I said that backwards report here in a few weeks, we will start rolling out our own, like, like my breakdown of each individual player, kind of like what we did at the end of the season where we talked about, Oh, let's Deep dive on each player from last year. We're going to do that again, but look at what they could accomplish or what we expect out of them in 2023. So we will do that and do deep dives on all these players and might bring up some of these projection numbers in those episodes as well. But for today, I just want to kind of take a look at, in general, what not only the, this projection model thinks of the Detroit Tigers, because whether I like it or not is irrelevant. It, it sparks great conversation. So that's really the, the goal here. I just want to talk about it. And... Uh, I also think that, well, yeah, I guess that's really it. Like, I, I think that a lot of conversation can come from this and some debate. And uh, I, I think that it's it's fascinating to look at regardless of my individual opinion of them. I know that a lot of people value them really highly. I know, I, I mean, again, nothing against Dan Zimborski at all. Uh, phenomenal uh, insight and analysis from him. Great baseball mind for sure. So, Let's get into it. Uh, like I said, I'm personally not a huge fan. One of the things that is uh, something that should get thrown out at the very beginning is that for the offense especially, a lot of these guys are assumed full season just so that you can compare and contrast players easily. Uh, it's kind of hard to figure out how many games a certain player is going to play and all that. So this is really, a, especially for the offensive side of the ball and pitching, they can account for injuries a little bit. And Dan's great about that and, and talking about that, but um, definitely something to keep in mind as we go forward. Let's start with the fact that last year, Dan was very optimistic on the Tigers and the projections weren't. 
And then they ended up reaching a new low that no one, whether calculator or human brain, thought that they were going to reach. So that's one thing that I just want to get out of the way early. Like, this team was so bad last year. I don't know. I, I know that I don't have to tell any of you that. Just really, really brutal stuff. And this year, it kind of had a, a – it was odd because – None of these numbers are very great and none of them jump out of the page of you and, and, and none of them make you go, oh, like maybe I should be looking at so-and-so a little bit more. Like maybe I'm going to be more optimistic about this person. But they have the Tigers win total in the mid-70s, which I know is not where people want to be considering we haven't been an over 500 team in over half a decade. But it's certainly better than the like mid-90s to 100 loss bleep show that we've put up with for like six of the last seven years or five of the last six years, right? So kind of interesting start there where the, the win total was not as low as I think I personally, when I went into reading the article, did not expect it to be in the mid-70s. So something that, that kind of jumped off the page of me right away. Let's talk about some individual players. So Spencer Torgelson leads the team in home runs. According to this model, 21 homers, Hobby with 20, Kerry Carpenter with 19. Third on the team, Kerry Carpenter, 19 homers. I think we'd all take that. Uh, Torkelson with over 20 homers would obviously be great as well. Three hitters on the team are are expected, using the Zips mile, to have a war of over two. That's Javi Baez, 2.9. Riley Green, a brown 2.5. And, and Austin Meadows, a little bit over two. Zero players, however, offense or pitching, are expected to have a war of over three. That's brutal. I know that I went on a huge kind of rant last year at one point in the season where I was really upset with how the team was playing, and I just basically begged on camera for even a two-win player. Like, I just wanted somebody who was just solid and, like, above league average. That's a solid everyday ball player. And we didn't have very many of those last year. And so seeing this is is nice in that regard that they have, you know, hey, you have a two, a few like two win player, like one and a half to three win players, but you also need top end talent. And based on this model, this this Zips does not have anybody on this team being a top end player this upcoming season, which again, I don't think is really a surprise to anyone when I say it. Let's talk about the youth. Spencer Torkelson, like I said, 21 homers according to it. 235 average, 324 OBP, 423 slug. That's a 109 OPS plus. That would be great. A 1.3 war as well. Uh, zero, like net zero exactly defense at first base. That's why the war is only 1.3 because like that's those aren't bad offensive numbers. But if he's playing net zero defense, like zero grade defense at first base too. War hates first baseman just because they don't think it has very much value. Unless you're like Freddie Freeman or Matt Olson, like you, you're really not getting a lot of value out of defensive, uh, out of war at first base. Um, but the 109 OPS plus is great. Like that's fine. I would be thrilled if Torgelson was a 109 OPS plus player this year at the plate. The issue is that being the second highest on the team. That's that's brutal. That's rough. So again reiterating things you already know this offense was really bad last year and they didn't really add anyone uh well via free agency i guess and you know technically they added some some players via trade but they didn't have a lot of additions to a historically bad offense that year so this is not that surprising but again in a vacuum i'm gladly taking a 109 ops plus from torque 
Uh, Riley Green, 253 average, 323 OBP, and a 406 slug. That's a 107 OPS plus with plus defense. So that that's great. And then they have him as the, the second most valuable player with war and the entire offense. I, I would be fine with a 107 OPS plus. The 406 slug is a little low. I'm fine with the average. I'm fine with the OBP. That's a fine walk rate. Um, but I, I think we would all like to see that slugging percentage get a little bit higher. This is a dude that that thumped the baseball down in the minors, and we just haven't really seen that yet at the at the major league level. So, and, and like the bringing in the walls in Comerica, like yes, that you know that'll help a little bit for a few outliers, but it's not going to make like a night and day difference on its own. Um, so hopefully the power can translate a little bit more. The other cool thing that that this article kind of breaks down is people are really big fans. Uh, lately of like the 20th and 80th percentile thing which is let's basically trying to give you a ceiling and a floor like oh uh, you know if everything goes really well for this player this season these could be his numbers and if everything goes really poorly this could be his numbers and the 80th percentile of Riley Green so if he has a really really good season they have him as a four win player, which again, I know that this is a projection model and it's the 80th percentile. I'm not trying to sell you that he's just going to turn around and be a four win player. But the fact that uh, that some there is some belief out there that that is in the realm of possibility, I think could add a little bit of optimism onto uh, a fan base that is desperately in need of some optimism. Uh, Ryan Kreidler, fourth highest war on the team. It's only one and a half, which is not great, but fourth highest one on the team. It's also interesting that it's the fourth highest one on the team with an 83 OPS plus. The model has him as a, a 17% worse than league average hitter and yet a one and a half win player because he's a positive defender at several different positions. So I guess that's, I, I think we would all really like to see Ryan Carther be a much better hitter, but the plus defense being recognized is at least something that we can take away from that and think fondly about. Kerry uh, Carpenter, this projection's a huge fan of Kerry Carpenter, which is dope. Uh, I, you know, as far as the likelihood of him continuing the assurgence he had last year, I'm not sure. We'll talk about that when we break him down specifically, like I said, later in the offseason or I guess in the preseason. But uh, 249 average with a 439 slug. They have Kerry Carpenter as the second highest slugging percentage on the team and the third highest OPS plus on the team. That's kind of exciting. There's some optimism going around about Kerry Carpenter. That's kind of cool. Um, okay, let's get into our ad break. We'll finish up the offense, then go to the pitching, then we'll go to the depth chart. Cool? Cool. Before we get any further, though, I do have to tell you all about our friends over at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. Pro football, college bowl season, basketball, World Cup, they've got it all at BetOnline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can also find those at BetOnline as well. They're the fastest and easiest way to get all your betting info. Set of the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. All right, everybody. Welcome back. Segment two here, Locked On Tigers. Thank you for making us your first listen every day. For your next listen, check on the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia. He's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, just like us. 
Okay, another thing that I thought was interesting about this projection was that it was a big fan of Andre Lipsius, which I am a big fan of Andre Lipsius. He was one of the guys that I really went to bat for and wanted to, to – I really wanted them to add him to the 40-man, and I was so happy when they did, as you all remember if you were a listener back then. Um, the, the thing that it loves about him is the fact that he draws a boatload of walks. And that's something that I have always been fascinated with. It's the reason that I love Andre Lipsius, right? I, I'm higher on him than most because of that. Um, and yeah, they have him at a, again, this is all assuming this person played a full season. We should, I want to make that very clear. Uh, 1.2 war, barely a plus defender, like just barely, but the third most walks on the team. You're never going to guess who the player they project to have the most walks on the team is over a full season. You're never going to guess it, and we'll get to it later. Uh, but they have him with the third most walks on the team in the mid-50s, really solid total. Um, Torgelson they have with the second most walks on the team, which I think is also important to, to point out. Um, I think the only other really big takeaways are big fan of Austin Meadows. Big fan of Austin Meadows. And I think that that's something that – we so quickly forget, like, obviously he needs to stay healthy, yes, but this is a dude that has produced at the major league level, like an all-star caliber season, like, prior to, to coming here, and um, I, I really like Austin Meadows, and I, and I hope that he's able to stay on the field and whatnot this year. Uh, they have him as the best hitter on the Tigers pretty comfortably. It's not even really particularly close. 472 slug, comfortably leads the team. 128 OPS plus significantly in first, right? I told you second was Torkelson at 109. So they have Austin Meadows not only at 28% better than a league average hitter, but they also have him 20% better than anyone else on the Detroit Tigers. So really, really big fan of Meadows. Even his, I talked to him about Riley Green, like the 80th and 20th percentile projections, right? Ceiling and floor type of stuff. His 20th percentile OPS plus is still 107. So they think that his like worst case scenario would still be one of the highest numbers on the team for the Tigers. I know that's much more of a testament to the rest of the team than it is Meadows specifically, but it also is definitely a big testament to, to the opinion of uh, the type of year Austin Meadows is going to have according to Zip's projections. So that's kind of reassuring as well. Javi Baez, very controversial, obviously. 97 OPS plus. So they have him as a below league average hitter, which is not great, but a big time plus defender um, in his 80th percentile projections. They have him at a 4.3 war. Not sure how many people out there think that he's going to put up a almost four and a half win season, but they have that as kind of the ceiling. And then in the same breath, his 20th percentile is only a 1.2 war, which is even worse than what he did last season. I think he was about two wins last year. So that would be really brutal. Other takeaways, uh, the new additions, Matt Veerling hates Matt Veerling, like despises. And I, I know that that's something that everybody is going to talk about immediately and did talk about when these projections came out. 83 OPS plus and a massive negative defender, like one of the worst defenders on the entire team. The reason for that is because, A, he wasn't a very good defender last year, even though he's very fast and has a cannon. He got really bad jumps. We talked about that when, he, when he, we traded for him. Um, but also 83 OPS plus, they have him pretty significantly below 
league average hitter, negative uh, 0.5 war is brutal. We talked about Veerling, how the results so far in the short stint at the major league level last year were not fantastic. And that's like, you can't hide from that. Those are numbers on a page. You all have access to it just as much as I do. They were not very good. Um, but the underlying numbers and the profile were really good. He was hitting the ball really hard, got pretty unlucky at points last year and has a lot of athletic tools with him too. So um, that this model is just looking at, look at his statistics so far. Okay. He has not been a good hitter at the major league level that level that's going to continue. It's not looking at, he's hitting the ball really hard. Look at all these underlying numbers. If he just lifts the ball a little bit, he's going to hit a ton of doubles, not, not paying attention to any of that. Uh, Mayton, other new addition. They have him just under a 90 OPS plus with pretty much net zero defense, a little over a win player. Now, the, the only other thing I have left for you in the offensive side of things, it, A, Jonathan Scope, 93 OPS plus for whatever that's worth. This is why Zach Short is still on this roster because everybody – I get – I'm not even kidding. I Probably three times a week I get either a tweet or a DM or something that goes, hey, why is Zach Short still here? Zach Short, according to Zips, would lead the team in walks if he played for a full season. And that's why. And that's not something that is like you can only find in the projection. Like that's that's not just a random thing that the that the calculator spit out. Like if you look at all of his numbers at every level, he walks a boatload. And that's why he's still here because he's a net zero at worst defender and he walks a lot. Is he going to have a high batting average? No, he'll be lucky to hit 200. But he runs into a homer every once in a while and he walks a boatload. And that's why he's here. Um Okay, I think that's it. Let's get to the pitching side of things. You know, for as negative as the model was for a lot of the offense, which we all just went over, uh, it's pretty, like, lukewarm and, like, not too fond necessarily of the high end of the pitching. A lot of the things that this fan base has really checked off as, um, like, a, a positive with the starting pitching and the depth in starting pitching, this model doesn't think very fondly of. Um, let's start with the good. Erod leading the team in war, 2.1 leading pitchers in war, 2.1 win season. They have him pretty comfortably leading the team there. Um, the players with an over 100 ERA plus, so a better than league average ERA projection, are Matt Boyd, Michael Lorenzen, Erod, Jason Foley, Alex Lang, and Will Vest. Those are the guys that that this model projects to be better than league average in the ERA department. Uh, another thing that I found kind of fascinating was the model loves Wilmer Flores, which we all love Wilmer Flores. Um, assuming that Wilmer got a full year, which he is obviously not going to get, uh, they have him already as a rookie, 100 ERA plus, right? League average ERA, that'd be awesome. Now, that's not going to happen again, but that, like, I don't know, just seeing – a national media source and not just like a Tigers homegrown thing. Be fond of Wilmer Flores and his progression is nice to see. Now let's start getting into the bad. Do we, I just want to break it up into good and bad. I guess we can. Uh, another thing really likes Lang. We'll just get all the positives out of the way. A 30% K rate projection would be awesome. Now it's paired with a 10% walk rate, which is high, but um, highest ERA plus on the team with a 119 ERA plus. So, uh, I mean, yeah, th th this model says Alex Lang is going to be the best pitcher to put on an old English D this upcoming season. And I don't think that's that hot of a take. So 
that that's nice to to see as well. Um, Jason Foley and Will Vest, like I said, really fond of them. Big fan of Jason Foley, which I love. I'm a huge fan of Jason Foley. That was someone that we were way ahead of that curve as far as talking about on this show, like players that we liked last season early on. We were on the Jason Foley train, so that's kind of reassuring for sure. Uh, but most of the bullpen out – well, I don't, let's see if there's any more positive. Not really. Okay, let's get into the negatives of the pitching side, which they're not going to make you very happy. We'll do that right after this. All right, third and final segment here, Lockdown Tigers. Appreciate each and every one of y'all. Um, okay, let's get back into this, and then we'll, we'll once we finish the pitching, we'll get into the depth chart and – talk about kind of where they expect players to play and whatnot. Um, so the bad with the pitching, Matt Manning and Spencer Turnbull, not big fans of either. Now, part of it is it knows that they are coming off injury because they are kind of long tenured injury. Now, well, Manning is separate. Turnbull knows coming off injury, hasn't put up too many, well, really any full, full innings pitch seasons yet. So kind of hesitant there. Um, but Matt Manning doesn't even have at 100 innings because he has not come anywhere really close to that at the major league level yet and or a full season, I should say, at the major league le- level yet. So it has both of them just under 100 innings pitched, but less than one war in just under 100 innings pitched and something that doesn't really matter. Well, it does, but bear with me here. The ERA numbers, it's like 90 ERA plus for Manning and Turnbull. So it has both of them being 10% worse than league average as far as ERA goes. Um, I think a lot of people are expecting, A, Turnbull to be productive, which is not something that anyone should guarantee because he hasn't pitched in a very long time. But I love Spencer Turnbull and think at his best, he's one of the best pitchers in this organization. And then I think a lot of people are really expecting Matt Manning to take a pretty sizable step forward this year. Uh, It's kind of needed. Like we're at the point now where, you know, you've been up here for a little bit now. We need to start seeing some some progress. Um, so that I think both of those would be pretty big disappointments if those two things came to fruition. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about was the rest of the bullpen. Outside of Lang, Vest, and Foley, pretty much everybody's around zero war. Now, it doesn't have everybody, anybody in the bullpen being like, oh, my goodness, this is terrible and this is going to be a you know negative one win player or anything like that, but not a whole lot of production. And we also are aware of that, and that's the whole argument. Like, how good does a how good? What's the point of a good bullpen if you're not good anyway? It's not very. We saw that last year. <laughs> this team was bad with a really good bullpen, with objectively one of the best bullpens in baseball out of nowhere last year. They were still awful. So that's why we're trading our bullpen pieces away for everyday players to try to change that. A good bullpen doesn't do a a bad team any good, unfortunately. So we can kind of expect a little bit of a drop-off in the pen. Um, But there are some players that I disagree with it on, 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 you know, like just how unproductive they're going to be. We'll get into that later. The big one that was frustrated me, to be honest with you, was um, of the four starting pitchers well some people have them as relievers etc whatever um of brisky hill fiedo and wentz not a single one was even a one-win player and some of that has to do with some innings distribution for sure absolutely but 
was not a big fan of any of them really. Like innings distribution is one thing. Having a, a comfortably a sub 100 ERA plus is another. Just was not a big fan of any of our depth starting pitchers, and that's something that this team has really pointed to a lot and been like, "Look, we can trade like the top end talent because we have pitching depth." And I I still agree with and believe that. I, I'm not taking uh, the the projection as gospel certainly, but just something that really jumped out at me is like, "Dang, like this." This does not like our pitching depth. Uh, fan of of Matthew Boyd and Michael Lorenzen and Erod to an extent, but after that, a, a whole lot of comfortably worse than league average in the starting pitching department after those three. So there you go. Uh, that's pretty much it for offense and for pitching. So let's talk about the depth chart. There's this really cool graphic in the article. Be sure to check out the article again. Uh, very, very well written as well. Even if you don't agree with the numbers and the calculator, or if you're like me and you don't really like projections at all, the article is, is great insight and Dan does a fantastic job. Um, so let's talk about the depth chart. I think they have Javi playing almost the entire season at short. They have scope playing almost the entire season at second. Also, this model is not going to like predict a trade to happen. So, uh, you have, you have that going for you as well. Riley green fide center fielder, nobody else really even getting any sizable reps in center. Third base, there's Nick Maton, Ryan Kreidler, and Nevin, right? Um, yeah, I, I, you know, we know that third base is going to be a revolving door. I, I don't think they're going to add anyone. I agree with that. I think we're pretty much at, past that point. And I, I've accepted it, and I'm kind of like weirdly in a real like sicko way looking forward to it because I, I think that that's good competition. I like the idea that we're going to kind of see this, this like I said, revolving door of like who's going to be the third baseman, and I think it's going to last throughout the season. This job is available for the taking. Who wants to take it by the horns and be the third baseman? Like that, that's kind of cool. Uh, not necessarily that's going to lead to a ton of wins, but it, it's kind of cool optically at least. So you have that going for you. Torkelson, the only plan at first base. Uh, they still don't really have a legitimate backup option. There's a couple of dudes that can play first for sure. Um, but uh, Torkelson seems to be the, the option there. So that makes sense. Let's talk about catcher. Uh, the model has just under two wins total at catcher between Haas, Sands, and Rogers. Haas and Rogers in a vacuum on its own. It has about each of them as one win players. Um, so dividing up playing time ish, not necessarily like exactly evenly, but somewhat amongst those three comes out to about a two win season. Um, I think Donnie Sands is going to get a lot more playing time than people realize. And that's like my take right now in the middle of January. And it, it might be a laughable take pretty early on, but his offensive numbers in the minors are good. Like they're straight up there. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They are good. And he walks a lot and he's not a, a, a masterful defensive catcher, but he's also a really good pitch framer and like robo umps aren't here yet. So that there is value in that. Um, I, I don't think Jake Rogers is on a super long leash. And, and I think Donnie Sands could, could very realistically get some legitimate playing time at catcher. That all being said, it's Eric Haas as the 1A. I think that that's pretty self-explanatory. So want to talk about that a little bit. Uh, they do have some playing time to Austin Meadows and to Kerry Carpenter at DH. So the model is kind of, well, Dan more so with this with the depth chart side of things. 
is understanding that Miguel Cabrera is not going to play uh, a, a boatload of a get a boatload of ABs at DH, and so I, I think that that opens the door a lot for Carpenter specifically. Um, so, which is kind of exciting. When talking about left field, it's brutal. In right field, they have Meadows. In center field, they have Green. So with kind of the revolving door of extra outfielders we have, like right field is Meadows, Carpenter, and Matt Veerling. Two wins they they have amongst those three in right field. Green, about, like we said, two and a half to three wins in center field. Left, total left field production, the depth chart right now is 0.7 war. That's rough. And that's between Akil Badu and Matt Veerling. We already know that the model hates Veerling. We've already talked about that. Badu, it has better than last year, but still not even a one-win player. Which I think if that happened again, we'd probably just unfortunately punt on the Akil Badu um, situation. Like, I think the arrow would just probably come to an end. Veerling's going to have... Uh, a little bit more time because this is his first season here. So uh, that's what the outfield looks like. I think that's every position, actually. Yeah, because infield is pretty straightforward except for third base. Um, relievers, we already talked about a lot of the relievers. Starting side of things, it does have Scooble at about a one-win player when he does come back. Uh, but I think that they gave him a little more innings than he's going to get. They have him like around 100 innings. I don't think he's going to pitch that. Not to be like a Debbie Downer. And obviously, I'm not a doctor, and I'm not in Tarek Skubal's camp, so like I don't know. But like we, we've seen what it's done to other pitchers. I, I would, I don't know. I, I'm kind of buckling up for the season, and I'm expecting Skubal to pitch like maybe at the end of August and then September, and like that might be it. I don't know. Maybe August and September, two months at the end of the year, whatever. We'll see what happens there. That's not as important as, as for as the rest of these are, but. Um, that those are really the things that jumped out to me. Like I said, I'll, I'll reiterate again. None of this is like gospel. None of this. And, and, and Dan self admits that like, none of this should be taken as like, this is definitely going to happen. There's way too many external factors that a calculator can't account for. Right. Um, but I do think that it's fascinating to look at. I think that it's fascinating to talk about. I think that it gives you, uh, I mean, there are a lot of front offices that put a lot of stock in, into some of these projection models. So something that is, is even if I don't like them, which I don't, um, it, it's something that I, I can't, I'm not going to be the person that, oh, I don't like it. I'm just going to like hide from it and pretend like it doesn't exist. Let, let's talk about it. Let's talk about what makes it good and bad. And because um, it's not all negatives I, I have about the, the, the way that it's, um, produced either. And again, I, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but this is absolutely not an indictment on Dan himself. Uh, love his, his work. So I think that's everything. Thanks for making Lockdown Tigers your first listen every day. For your next listen, check on the Lockdown MLB Prospects podcast. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Um, again, one final time, going to plug the article, Fangraphs, Dan Zimborski, Zips Projections, Tigers. He's done almost all the teams. I think he only has like three or four teams left. So if you're interested in seeing another team's model as well, you can also read his entire write-up. He does his own breakdown of the Tigers. Um, and you can just see everyone. Like it's literally everyone, everyone. 
so you, you can see like, oh, what does the model think Zach Hess would do if he was in the majors this year? Like, you know what I mean? So definitely go check it out. Cannot plug him or his work enough. Um, that's it. That's all I got. Mid-70s win total, but also like not great. We'll talk about my opinion of each of these players individually, like I said, when pitchers and catchers report, and we're back to five days a week as a show and all that, we will do a deep dive on what you know our expectations for each of these players are going into 2023. I cannot wait. Baseball's right around the corner. Chomping at the bit, man. I, I can't wait. I cannot wait. Okay, I'm just rambling at this point. I appreciate y'all. Appreciate y'all so unbelievably much. I love this. I love this community we have. Um, I love everything about this. So uh, thank you. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of your day. I do not take that lightly. And that is my mindset toward this. So uh, peace and love going to therapy is dope. And I'll catch y'all on a Friday, baby. Go Tigers.